0: and
1: is viewpoint with attorney and author chuck Meyer? viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of america's heart and home and now with today's edition of viewpoint here is chuck Meyer.
0: the latest report indicates that two in five americans that is 20 percent of americans say that we are living in the end times that's amazing that really is amazing It corresponds in many respects from the expectations that are being portrayed in Israel over the past 25 years, increasing the expectation of a coming Messiah from 16% to 65%. It would seem, you would think, that in America, a so-called Christian nation, that the expectation, though, of a coming Messiah would be far greater than 20% at the max. But apparently it is not. This study showed that end-time believers either believe Jesus will return to Earth someday and that life will worsen until, that is, 14%, or they simply believe that these are the end times, that's 25%. About 20% of Americans, that is, Christian Americans, believe that Jesus will return after global circumstances have worsened. Christian views on end times are most often categorized as Premillennial, amillennial, or postmillennial. Can get pretty confusing, friends, but here's a little help along the way. Premillennial, or premillennialism, is the idea that the world will gradually improve and that the 1,000 years happened before Jesus returned to earth. Amillennial says that Jesus' reign is figurative and already happening now. Well, premillennial says the return of Jesus will begin a 1000-year reign, but until then, the world situation will worsen. So, a lifeway research study back in 2016 found that Protestant pastors were split among those three versions. About half, 48%, said they were premillennial, 31% said amillennial, and 11% said post-millennial. But the most recent study found that among professing Christians, black Protestants, that is 76%, and others categorizing themselves as evangelicals, 63% are more likely to believe we're in the end times. Well, I agree with that. That would be a natural thing to understand, I would think. But mainline Protestants, 31%, And 27% of Catholics are far less likely to believe that these are the end times. Now, those particular groups, mainline Protestants and Catholics, are far less acquainted, though, with the Word of God, with the Bible. And they're presented with progressive ideas, cultural ideas, socialistic ideas. Among other religions, just 3 in 10 people believe that the end is near, while almost 1 in 4 religiously unaffiliated say these are the end times. Now think about this. 25% of people who claim to be religiously unaffiliated, in other words, not connected with any church, any particular denomination, or anything, say these are the end times. About two-thirds of Americans with high religious commitment who attend religious services at least twice weekly, or at least weekly, rather, believe these are the end times. Just 16% of those who seldom or never attend church say the same. Finally, 68% of Protestant pastors say that culture and worldviews will continue to decline in morality until Jesus returns. So, that gives us a Foundation for our conversation today on Viewpoint. We're going to take a look at some developments that have taken place just in the last two or three days. Just in the last two or three days that will help us to understand the character of these times. Whether or not your conviction that these are the end times that we're living in is correct, or whether you should be seriously considering Notwithstanding your previous doubts, that these are the end times. And then, of course, if we agree, if you agree, if you come to the conviction that indeed these are the end times, at whatever stage they are, then the question that always looms is, okay, then what? Now what? How should we then live? That's the real question, isn't it? The question isn't what, it's how. And why? That's what we want to focus on and always try to focus on here on Viewpoint. So I welcome you aboard. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. And it's conversation with ever-increasing conviction. Yesterday, I was interviewed by a gentleman who has interviewed me probably eight to ten times before over the past 15 years in Florida. And it was a television interview. And he... As he had read the book Messiah, my latest book, Messiah Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, he was virtually overwhelmed. As he shared with the audience before we ever began, he said, if you, if there's any one book you need to read, it's this one. He said, I know a lot of you aren't, don't read, but you need to read this one. He said, do you want to really understand the dynamics of what is taking place in our world? Do you really want to understand what the Bible tells us about concerning the return of the Messiah and the competition that is going to be so outstanding and so uh, dramatic that it will seduce even the majority of professing Christians? Would you like to know about that? He said, that's what this book is about. I wish you could have watched and heard that interview. I really do. Because you would have been hearing much of it come out of another man's mouth, even as he interviewed me. It was dramatic. It was profound. I'm just hoping that somehow we'll be able to get that interview ultimately up on our own website. But in the meantime, you have the opportunity to get the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages and uh, $22 is going to put it in your hands. I hope that you are seriously considering availing yourself of it. And by the way, if you'd like to get it not only for yourself, but uh, for relatives and friends and your pastor and so on, we have a very special offer right now. It's up on our website. They're called December Packages. And uh, this particular one that I'm referring to is you can get three copies of the book Messiah, that otherwise would cost you $66 you can get it for $51 that's a 51 a $15 discount that's pretty significant especially since we've not reduced that book at all so you can get that up on the website there's several other uh special offers that are there to help get the message out we want you to be able to shall we say be God's hand extended and our hand extended here through this ministry to multiply the effect of the message as it goes out to get it out you being an agent to help get the message out does that make sense? and when I said that yours truly makes no money from these books that is true I don't but Save America Ministries does It helps us to stay afloat. I receive no money. This is not a money-making venture. It's a messenger venture. We'll be right back. With the latest poll revealing that 2020 to 25% of Americans believe that we are living in the end times, perhaps we should take more seriously some of the things that are occurring right before our eyes that we may not necessarily identify as proof or at least support for that conclusion. Today, as we do frequently, we're going to bring a number of those uh, recent developments, and I say recent, within the last two to three days. That's pretty recent. Somebody asked me, well, Chuck, what are you going to talk about today on Viewpoint? They may ask me that in the morning. I tell them, I really don't know. Unless I have an interview scheduled, I don't necessarily know. Why is it that I don't necessarily know? Because I'm waiting for the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, to speak to my heart, as to what the people need to hear, need to understand, and what the dynamics are that are taking place in our world that they can relate to. Sometimes that determination is not made until maybe 15 minutes before broadcast time, sometimes even five minutes before broadcast time. There is not one shred of this program that is ever scripted. Nothing. There's no teleprompter, no cheat sheets, no cards to look at, no scripting. I rely entirely on the direction that God gives me at any given time, at any, any, any given program, and oftentimes I find, and this may come as a surprise to you, but I find that even when I start a particular focus and think that I've got a handle on that focus, the Lord leads me to open it up in a different way that is 10 times more powerful than what was originally intended. It's just amazing. I, I've just learned to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Well, today we're going to take a look at some things uh, that are right before our eyes, and this one really caught my attention. Global central banks are now racing to implement digital currencies as cities around the world are converting to smart infrastructure to be able to track and control the grid being erected right under our noses. It's amazing, friends. Global central banks racing to implement digital currencies. This is no longer about a credit card. This has gone way beyond credit cards now. This has gone to converting the whole concept of money and exchange for a new world order and a final world government. The Central Bank of Nigeria, in Africa, friends... The Central Bank of Nigeria announced it will begin effective January, restricting cash withdrawals from banks and ATMs to just $45 per day as part of a push to move the country toward a cashless economy. I want you to think about that. That's in Nigeria. If it's, if it's happening in Nigeria, why won't it happen in the U.K.? Why won't it be happening in Germany? Germany. Why won't it be happening in France and in the United States? Why won't it be happening everywhere? It will. That's the point. It will, and it's coming so rapidly that this in Nigeria is going to begin in January. Does that sound current to you? The writer of this article says, if this were a one-off, I wouldn't bother writing about it, but it comes on the heels of mega banks announcing similarly creepy new policies in recent months in China, India, Russia, Brazil, Sweden, and the U.S. and many other nations, all pointing to the imminent switch over to a global digital money system. And why did they want to do that? Control. Oh, they'll market it as something really wonderful to be able to control crime and uh, preserve your identity and all of these kinds of things. But the reality is the real motivation is control. Government control. Yesterday our program was about trusting government versus God. The whole thrust of our world right now. It doesn't matter where. The whole thrust of our world is to shift our trust, the trust of humankind from God to government. Government is made up of humankind, of man. As the Bible said, it is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes or anyone else starting with a P. Popes, potentates, uh, pastors, prelates, politicians, anybody. So, this is what is happening, and that is why it is happening. In the U.S., the Federal Reserve has put out an announcement last month that it is launching a pilot program to test out a new central bank digital currency called a CBDC with six major banks. Thursday's announcement in Nigeria is also a big deal because Nigeria is one of only nine countries that have already launched an official central bank digital currency. And that happened earlier this year. And now they're already moving forward to restrict the use of cash. This is how they do it, incrementally, like fog. It comes in on little cat feet until you're absolutely surrounded and you can't see. So this proves that digital currencies were never designed to function alongside paper currencies, but rather to replace them. The Central Bank of of Nigeria is going to limit weekly cash withdrawals to $225 for individuals and $1,124 for corporations with a processing field required to access even more. The central bank's director said that cash withdrawals may be permitted in, quote, compelling circumstances not exceeding once a month, unquote. Wasn't that nice? So the government is going to allow you to access your money, but only under compelling circumstances. And who determines what is a compelling circumstance? They do. Who is they? The banking authority. Who is the banking authority? The authority that's governed by the central government. Who is the central government? Well, it's the president or prime minister and his cabinet. But ultimately, that hierarchy is going to be placed in the hands of one man. And what is his title, his spiritual title? Antichrist, a counterfeit savior, a counterfeit redeemer, one who is going to promise you that you won't own anything, but you're going to be so thrilled with how the government as God is going to provide all of your needs. Are you beginning to get the picture? And it's almost... That bad here in the U.S. now. Trying to go to your bank and telling them you want to withdraw as little as 5000 and you'll discover that you're required to basically state your case prove you also have a compelling reason for wanting that much cash. Of course, it's for your good, you know. Safety, security, they tell you. Are you beginning to get the picture? This is not a game, my friends. This is the real deal. The globalist economist, a couple of months ago, Pippa Malmgren, said at the World Government Summit, Summit here's what she said out loud, we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new one, the new accounting is what we call Blockchain. It means digital. It means having an almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. Clarity, friends, is not the issue. It's control. That's why they want more clarity, for control, absolute control, over what you spend, how you spend it, and why you spend it, and for what you spend it. Control. Now, we don't have time to go into more details concerning that at this time because we have many other aspects to focus on. But that's one of the biggest ones that has just come since Thursday. That was yesterday, my friends. Now, at the same time, This report came from Israel National News. Representatives of 30 nations have signed Abraham Accords, the Abraham Accords value, a family values pledge. World leaders, ambassadors, diplomats, entrepreneurs, lawmakers, academics, and clergy from over 30 countries converged on Rome yesterday for the first annual Abraham Accords Global Leadership Summit, an exclusive invitation-only event focused on new ways to increase peace and tolerance in the spirit of the Abraham Accords. Well, in the spirit of the Abraham Accords, based upon whose viewpoint? You see, that's the problem. Based upon whose viewpoint? Well, who is it now Let's think about it. Who is it that in is right now has been this year forming a, uh, uh, we could say, a, a monument? It is a center for world religions in Abu Dhabi. Who is it doing that? Well, it's none other than... Then Pope Francis. That's what he's doing. He is bringing together Jews, Muslims, and Christians, that is, those who will embrace his viewpoint concerning what is necessary to create a new global order. In other words, a new world religion in which all of these religions can feel comfortable with a family values pledge and package. That's what's happening. And it's happening right now. Just yesterday, they met at Rome for the first annual Abraham Accords Global Leadership Summit. This is for the elite only. In other words, those who have been selected who have a similar vision to the Pope. that is bringing all the religions of the world together. The event celebrated the seismic change that the Abraham Accords have already brought to the Middle East and North Africa in just two short years, with an emphasis on the shared values that enabled bitter adversaries to become indispensable allies and friends in such a short time. Now, there's no problem with somehow creating a... Uh, a kind of peaceful tolerance as between these various uh, religions and uh, and leaders. That's not the problem. That's not what this is about. This is ultimately about celebrating the unifying of these various religions. For what purpose? For what purpose are we going to bring all these religions together that don't have the same viewpoint about God, about the creation, about life, about very much? What are they intending to accomplish? This is the reason why it's only elites that are selected by invitation only to come to this event. This is why only the elites are allowed to go to the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, each year. They're chosen specifically because they share this globalistic viewpoint. Who could possibly be against traditional family values? That's what's being put at the forefront of our Abramic heritage, they say. A cohesive family unit with the mother and father at the helm, critical to our future. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Who would not agree with that as a true follower of Jesus Christ? Or even a true Jewish uh, Orthodox Jew? And many Muslims. But that's not its ultimate purpose. You've got to be able to see and discern between the lines. We'll be right back.
1: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archive. Save America Ministries' website at saveus.org.
0: What a delight to be able to come before you every single day to plea the cause of a lifetime to a jury of my peers the church in America professing Christians, and then also beyond that to our nation as a whole, and then beyond that to the peoples of our planet. That's what we do. Interestingly, we've been told that our program actually is heard. uh, I cannot say how broadly in all of these nations, but has actually been registered to be heard in 113 countries. We thank the Lord for that. Our primary listenership is in the Western world, obviously primarily in our own country, but then also in New Zealand, in Australia, in the U.K., uh, France, Germany, uh, Finland, Norway. It, it's heard basically throughout the Western world, but the the charge is always to professing Christians because that's God's. Primary focus in his word. All the warnings of scripture, as we say over and over again, are directly to professing believers in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, to Jews who profess to be followers of the one true God as creator. All of them. Therefore, it behooves us to realize that to be forewarned is to be forearmed. In other words, something is coming that we have no preparation for, no real significant preparation for, and we need to get ready. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon we'll be coming home. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Soon will be coming home. But then what again does it mean to get ready? You see, it's not a matter of confessing Jesus Christ as your Savior. A computer can do that, as we're going to see. That's not the point. Confession may be good for the soul, but what God is looking for is a walk of righteousness and holiness. That's what he's looking for. He's not talking. He's not looking for the talk. He's looking for the walk. And that's where the problem lies, isn't it? Our, our, is our walk in alignment with God's expectations as our father? If we're truly part of his household, do we resemble, other than going to church, do we resemble part of his household? Would anybody else looking on conclude that? Those are the kinds of questions that we need to to be dealing with. Now, again, I want to uh, provide to you the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, because it's going to help open your eyes to help give us a level of discernment that just isn't there right now <clears throat> and um, what we need to do is is pierce a veil. there's a veil not only over the Jewish eyes but over Gentile eyes as the Apostle Paul said for now we see through a glass darkly we do. There's a sense, a very real sense, and I, I'm aware of that myself. Uh there there's no place for pride, no place for pride, no place for knowing it all, no place for having a handle on all. There's no place for pride. Every one of us is charged to be ready from God's viewpoint, not from your pastor's viewpoint, not from your denomination's viewpoint but from God's viewpoint. So you, as a member of the jury, are now going to be dismissed for heart-rending deliberations as to whether or not you truly are a member of the kingdom of God and have a reigning king called Yeshua, Jesus, whom you are awaiting with expectation And as John, the beloved disciple, said, whoever has that hope in him will purify himself even as Christ is pure. That's what he said. You don't hear that preach much, but that's what he said. So we need to pierce the veil, allow something to pierce the veil that's over our own eyes, whether we realize it or not so that we can begin to have a level of discernment that we have not had heretofore a spiritual discernment not political discernment a spiritual discernment so that we can un- un- understand like the headline of the last chapter in my book behold he comes quickly Suddenly the unveiling explodes in unfathomable and fearful glory before terrified eyes because time and eternity are rapidly becoming congruent. There is a soon, a moment soon to come in which time shall be no more. It's at the merging of history and prophecy revealed in the appearance or Apocalypse—that's the revelation, unveiling of the Messiah. The book, Messiah, unveiling the mystery of the ages. Twenty-two dollars on our website, saveus.org. I hope you avail yourself of it, and I—I I would urge you if you love uh, certain people in your life, you—you uh, ha- you care for certain people, your family, your kids, your grandchildren, your spouse. Uh, any other extended relatives, your neighbors and so on, yes, even your pastor. Pastors have a veil just like everybody else, friends. Believe me, they do. They walk in the flesh just like you do. Mm-hmm. They're confronted with the same temptations you are. In fact, sometimes even more, because they're veiled in spirituality, and so they give a a semblance of righteousness when, in fact, they're not always righteous. Challenging to be a pastor. Challenging to be a broadcaster like this. Very. Get a copy of it for your pastor. $22 on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at SAVE-AMERICA-MINISTRIES. PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. And as I mentioned, we have a very special offer on the website, December packages. One of those packages is three copies of Messiah for $51. In other words, one for yourself and two to give away. And if you want to get more, we'll uh, just apply the same corresponding numbers for the additional books that you want to get. How's that? We want to get the message out. All right. This report just came today from Israel. U.N. votes overwhelmingly for Israel to give up its nukes. Wednesday, the United Nations condemned the state of Israel. Now the United Nations has acted overwhelmingly to condemn Israel and tell it to give up its nukes. In other words, to render it without any defense. Hmm. In other words, just as Jesus said it would happen in the Old Testament, you say Jesus, yes. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. God warned through the prophets, the Father warned through the prophets, that what was going to happen was a massive uprising against Israel. Hmm. And so it is. That's exactly what's happened. This is the United Nations, what is it, 196 countries, rising up collectively against Israel in the most overt ways ever before. Remember, we're talking about 20 to 25% of the people now believing in America that we're in the end times. Do you believe that yet? Well, here's another aspect. This happened in New Zealand. You probably heard about this family with a, uh, a young baby. And the baby needed surgery, but they were asking for uh, a vaccine-free blood supply. Well, the leaders of the government went to the courts. The court, as an agent of the government, ordered a surgeon, appointed a surgeon, To take guardianship over the baby. And then that surgeon said, All right, give the baby the surgery and give the baby the surgery with vaccinated blood. Remember when we talked about how government is being completely coercive now? Even in so-called democracies. This is, this is what's happening. This is telltale evidence, friends, of what you can expect in a one-world government. You will have no rights whatsoever. The concept of rights will mean nothing. The concept of freedom will mean nothing. You are just a pawn of the state. The state owns you. Your children belong to the state. That's what Hillary Rodham Clinton said two decades ago and is saying today. And how about Chicago? A school in Chicago, an elite private school in Chicago now, giving sex toys to kids. Yes, I'm not going to go through the names of these sex toys. It would be inappropriate for me to do that on this program. That's what they're doing, though, and they're defending the idea. Project Veritas unveiled this, and they're angry as can be that this was shown to the world. Friends, we are in Sodom and Gomorrah. We're in Sodom and Gomorrah, in this country and around the world, just as Jesus said it would be just before his second coming. Remember Lot's wife? Have you ever considered what
1: the early church was like? But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Meyer. Today we're laying out recent developments that are increasingly proving, showing that we are in the period of time referred to as the last days, but not just the last days. That's an inappropriate term. Let me tell you why. The last days actually began 2,000 years ago at the death and resurrection of Christ at the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. The prophet uh, Peter, the apostle, quoted the book of James and said, what you're seeing here is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and so on. The last days began 2,000 years, almost 2,000 years ago. Then there's a period of time in the the, uh, Bible, in history, called the latter days. The latter days. That term is used in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38 and 39, that in the latter days when Israel is in relative peace, there will be a confederation of nations that will seek to attack Israel to take a spoil. In the latter days. That's the last portion, the the, the a small portion of the last days. How long that portion is, we're not told. It could be a month, it could be six months, it could be a year, it could be three years. We don't know. Then there's another term that is called the end of the age, or what we would say, the what the Bible calls the day of the Lord. That is the very end of the end of the end of the last days. We're not told exactly how long a period it is, but it's a very short period. It's when the wrath of God then is poured out on the children of disobedience. It may begin with a period of tribulation. But ultimately, its focus and its concentration is when the wrath of God, not the wrath of man, but the wrath of God, is poured out on the children of disobedience, on the rebels, on the ungodly, on those who have refused to humble themselves before the Lord. It's called the Day of the Lord. And that day, according to all the prophets is not a day to be hoped for. Why? Because it's going to be terrifying beyond anything this planet has ever seen. Jesus put it this way. He said that unless those days were shortened, there wouldn't be any flesh that would survive. Now, is he talking about the tribulation period? The great tribulation, is that what he's talking about? Or is he talking about even the wrath of God? They're not the same thing. It's not appointed unto true followers of Jesus Christ to receive the wrath of God that's going to be poured out on the children of disobedience somehow, some way, we will be delivered. A remnant will be delivered from that outpouring of God's wrath. We commonly refer to that as a rapture. Today, it appears that President Joe Biden may very well sign a bill that just hit his desk yesterday. The House voted yesterday with 39 Republicans joining 219 Democrats to pass the so-called Respect Marriage Act, and Biden has promised to sign it. The chamber passed a previous version in the bill in July and had to vote again after the Senate added a Religious Liberty Amendment. But opponents contend that the amendment negotiated by Democrat Senator Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin and Republican Senator uh, Collins, Susan Collins of Maine, has no real power to protect religious liberty. In fact, Tony Perkins, president of the Family Research Council, said Thursday was a dark day for religious freedom. The left's forces of religious hostility, aided by 12 Republican senators and 39 Republican representatives, advanced what he said history may ultimately record as one of the greatest assaults on religious freedom in modern history. These members are yielding to the temporal forces of the culture rather than the transcendent principles of our nation's constitution, and I would add the even greater transcendent principles of the Bible itself. As it was in the days of Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah, the President of the United States, U.S. Senators, U.S. House of Representatives, voting, to basically inaugurate as a permit to enshrine in our nation's laws same-sex marriage which God calls an abomination. What do you think that might do to bring the wrath of God down on America as a representative of the children of disobedience? Just asking. Now, I want to share with you some words from a fellow pastor, leader. His name is Michael Yusuf. Dr. Michael Youssef, he's on television radio. Many people have suggested that we bring on Michael Yusuf as a guest here on this program. I want to tell you, we have tried many, many, many times taken great efforts to try to bring him on and we have had no response including most recently this week he's written a book called is the end near what jesus told us about the last days we're not going to go into the whole book here but i want to share some things that he said here so that it takes it out of my mouth And you're hearing it from someone else, someone else that perhaps you respect. So here we go. He's talking about the way people believe today, particularly professing Christians. He said, authentic evangelicals believe in the authority of God's word over every aspect of life. To claim to be an evangelical while denying that Jesus alone is the way to God and heaven is not merely self contradiction It's heresy. No wonder there is so much confusion in the church today. Clearly, there are many people in the pews and tragically in the pulpits who espouse beliefs that come not from the Bible but from the world. Anyone who places tradition and personal opinion or rationalism above the authority of God's word is no evangelical. Anyone who claims that humanity can be saved through social programs, political agendas, or progressive education is no evangelical. What he's basically saying is no Christian, no real Christian. Anyone who de-emphasizes the horror of sin and the need for the atoning cross of Christ is no evangelical. Anyone who denies that God poured out his wrath on his crucified son for the sake of lost humanity is no evangelical. Anyone who calls the atonement of the crucifixion an act of cosmic child abuse by God and the Father is no evangelical. Anyone who denies that people need to undergo a personal conversion by repentance and faith in order to receive eternal life is no evangelical. And a true evangelical is a true Christian. A false evangelical is a fake Christian. And Jesus and the letters of Peter, Paul, and John repeatedly warn that we should beware the false teachings of false Christians. If you don't believe the foundational truths of the Bible, then no matter what you call yourself, you're not a true Christian. And if you're not a true Christian, then he says, I urge you to repent and come to him on his terms and receive salvation. He goes on to say, don't be deceived. No one but God in heaven knows the day and hour, the end time will begin. But the Apostle Paul tells us that the world is being prepared to welcome the Antichrist during the last act of the human drama. So Paul writes, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. So when he appears, the Antichrist will offer a message that the masses are eager to hear, a message that people are basically good, that all religions lead to the same destination. That's exactly what George W. Bush said in in, uh, 2001. That those who claim that Jesus is the only way to heaven are narrow-minded dogmatists. Antichrist's message will be just what the masses want to hear. He'll back up his claims with wonderful deeds. He'll fix the broken economy, bring peace to troubled religions or regions, and win the adoration of the masses. And once he is firmly in power and crowds are worshiping him, he will turn suddenly and viciously on all the true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus said, when you will see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation. And Paul said he will set himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. And he's going to accompany those claims with fake signs and wonders, fake miracles, so that he will appear to possess superhuman power. Where is he going to get all this power? From Satan. Satan is a spirit. And to accomplish his goal, Satan needs a warm body, a human being, to be his spokesperson. So, the Antichrist will be possessed by Satan. He will do Satan's bidding, opposing God by denying Christ and persecuting true Christians. Will the church go through the tribulation, asked Michael Yusuf. He talks about many wise, devoted scholars having different views and opinions. He said, I've studied the views, but I don't hold any of them. So here's what he says Rather than take a hard and fast position on things that we cannot really know, I prefer to hold fast to four biblical truths that are beyond dispute. One, Only those who receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will experience eternal life in heaven. Two, Jesus will return as he has repeatedly promised. Three, Jesus will judge all those who have rejected him. Four, when Jesus appears, he will take all genuine believers to be with him forever. Genuine believers, friends. So he tells us, We have no promise that we're going to avoid tribulation. No promise that we're not going to have tough times. But we have great news that Jesus is coming. And the day is drawing near. The day is growing very near. The question is, are you ready? He says, hold fast to your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Cast out any idols that hold you back from absolute commitment to Christ. Continue serving diligently in his name. Sharing the gospel with everyone around you. Continue living joyfully for Jesus, and I would say righteously as well. A good word. From Michael Youssef in his book is the end near indeed it is exactly how near we cannot say with precision but we can look at the season and we're enjoined to do that by Jesus himself do you see what's taking place are you ready and are your children and grandchildren ready my friends Pastor, are your people really ready? I'm not talking about confessions with the mouth. I'm talking about a life of righteousness. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Send your gifts by Faith to Save America Ministries, B.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Do it today, friends. Let's become a partner, and don't forget getting the copy of Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Age. Viewpoint with
1: Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on
0: Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and hope.